This week, we went to a doctor, and we got a text. When you get to the doctor's office, call us. We called them. Stay in your car. We'll call you when we're ready. We get a call. I said, you must have a mask. We go up to the fourth floor, and nobody's in the waiting room. They ask, who are you? I think, well, we're the 1130 appointment. But anyway, we told them who it was. And we go to the, sit down. They have chairs. You sit like this. Well, the next chair is turned like this. So I said, well, to sit by Becky, I'm going to have to jump over the chair. So I just go sit 10 foot across the room, two people in the room. She has her appointment. We come out. We're gone. That's kind of the new normal on certain things we see in our life. And uh, I hope it ain't the new normal for the rest of our life. As we have the virus giving us fits, I thought it'd be interesting to study some of the changes that we're seeing in our life, maybe in our church, as we go through. And I kept thinking of things. I said, well, that's old and that's new and so I've got a lot of ideas, and Benzer's not a terrible lot of people here. I won't go very deep in them because I think most of you know. Uh, as I seem to ramble, I probably am going to ramble a little bit, but I'll tell you what's important so you won't miss that, okay? Here's something that is important. Don't let this slip you by. In Ephesians 2 and 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This is important. Get it. Who is the standard? You know, sometimes in the Bible when it talks about standard, it's talking about a flag or a banner. You know, we've had a political race. And them guys always had an American flag on their lapel. It might be easier for us to think about who's the standard, who's the pattern, who's the recipe. You ladies will understand pattern, recipe. Jesus is who our standard is, always. He's He's the foundation. We've talked about foundations and buildings. He's what we're built on. This is what's important People should not set the standard. People should not set the standard. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking at Jesus, who the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. We see lawmakers, judges, setting our standard. Ladies, if you get pregnant and you don't want it, you can kill it, you can give it away, or you can raise it. This is the law. You can do that. It's a law. You have to accept gays and lesbians. It's a law. If you're a girl and you don't want to be a girl, go get yourself made into a boy. It's a law. People should not set Our standards. Jesus sets our standard. It's lined out in our pattern. 
in our standard. Jesus has it right here. Second important point today. Be peculiar. 1 Peter 2 and 9. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy notion, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is peculiar? Is it different? Is it weird? You know, one uh, definition I found in the Bible was called into a purpose. Are you peculiar? You know, I've been in town, and, and I might see uh, a lady with a long dress and their hair up, and it's got a little, little cap-type thing on it. I might see someone, and they may have a dot in their forehead. They may have a turban, and I'm like, boy, you're weird, you know. You're different. God tells us to be peculiar. We need to be different. Let's consider this a little further. Titus 2 and 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Can the people you're associated with tell you're a Christian? Do they know you're a Christian? Do they know you're peculiar? Can they tell? Because if you're denying ungodliness and worldly lust and living godly, you're going to be peculiar. You're going to be different than the world. Jerry McCorkle years ago told about a young man that was in college, got a, the ability to get a job in the summer to make some big bucks. Don't remember what he was doing. Maybe in the oil field. I just don't know. But he was working in a pretty rough environment. Summer's over and Jerry sees him and he said, well, how did it go? And he said, oh, yeah, I made a lot of money. And he said, Jerry said, I didn't mean that. How did it go with you being a Christian? And the young man says, they didn't know. They never knew. They couldn't tell he's a Christian. Are you peculiar? First John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. When we look at these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and pride of life, if somebody here doesn't get to heaven, it's probably going to be because of one of these three things. We see something that we're willing to do anything to get. Or we're so proud of what we have accomplished in our life. Look at what I've done. Look what I've had. Look at me. 
That's what the world will do for you. We need to be peculiar. All right, I'm shifting gears a little bit. I'm going to start meddling in your affairs. And most of you will enjoy that. So let's think about this on a personal uh, note. Let's talk about our clothes. 1 Timothy 2 and 9, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Men, listen to me now. That includes you. Do you know what modest is? I'll, I'll give it to you in country term. When the top's not too low, when the bottom's not too short, or it's not too tight. That's what modest is. God has told us what to wear and how we're supposed to act. I hear people say, oh, but it's in style. Becky told me yesterday I just look like a hillbilly. Maybe that's in style. If you got it, flaunt it. I don't understand that. I just really don't know what that is. The world will tell us what's in style, what to wear. There was mini skirts and there's long dresses. I mean, it just... We got to guard against that. How about the next one? What about the movies? First Peter 2 and 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Movies will tell you what you're supposed to wear, how you're supposed to talk, how you act. Since the pandemic, there's been more streaming of movies than any other time in history. We... My dad took uh, a grandson, not Sean, 40 years ago to a movie. He came out and he says, they said a bad word. I'm glad he's not here now. You fill your brain and your mind with garbage. Garbage comes out. Going along with this, what about music? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22 Abstain from all appearance of evil. Sometimes I'd like them to just tell me, what are the words? What are the words in the music? And you ask a young person, and they say, I don't know, I like the rhythm, I like the beat. Some of you are too young. There was a guy named Elvis Presley once. He was banned from radio stations because he jiggled around when he sang. After that, there's a group from England, the Beatles. They was devilish. They had long hair. You filled your mind with garbage? That's what's going to be in your mind is garbage. Matthew 5 and 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in her, 
in his heart. I've been told that an evangelist said that our Christian kids cannot get out of high school without having sex. That's sad. But that's a new normal. They treat dating like buying a used car. Are you going to take it around the block? Are you going to try it out? Now I'm going to tie and close with this too. What one of you as Christians would want to call a or cause a brother or sister in Christ to sin by wearing something so revealing that they lusted after you? That's not a good Christian. Let me tell you something. I'm going to show you some of my intelligence now. You can have sex one time and somebody can get pregnant. This old deal, it won't happen to me. That's false. Then you're going to be a mama or a murderer or are you going to give it away? It ain't worth it. God don't want that. Romans 1 and 26. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Like I said, the gays have their rights. And it's part of the law now. We can't discriminate because of sexual orientation. The Old Testament had a pretty good theory and kept this type of stuff down. You know what it was? Some of you do. Take them outside of the gates of the city and stone them to death. Kill them. And the God created, in the beginning, God created man, and he made a woman. People that are gay or lesbian, they're not born that way. Sin takes over their life, and they become that way. God does not create a flock. First Corinthians 5 and 11 but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man be called a brother, be a fornicator or covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, know not to eat. Alcohol consumption went up 68% while we was trying to figure out who won our election in the last few days. Don't know what it went up during the pandemic. In Mark 12 and 30, it tells us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you have your mind altered with chemicals, then you've lost out on that deal. 
Now, I'm not talking about when you go to the doctor and he gives you medicine to help you through surgery or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But people seem like they have to have chemicals to cope with the times nowadays. Let's take a drug to help me sleep. Well, I can't get going anymore. Let's take a drug to wake me up. I need an upper. Then I need a downer. And then you're just yo-yoing around. All right. We talked about individualists. Let's, let's, let's meddle in churches now. And like I said, some of this is not new, but I like to talk about it, so we will. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, if we was to get all of the different versions of Bibles and stack them up here, I don't think I could pick them up. As was told this morning, Matthew can, but I can't. I couldn't pick them up. There's too many. You know, some of these versions leave out Scripture. Over in Revelations 22, verse 18 and 19, it says if you leave out Scriptures, we're going to leave out your home in heaven. If you add to it, we're going to add to you the plagues written in this book. People get confused. I don't know which Bible to get, so I'm not even going to get one. I wonder who's behind all of this. All right, Hebrews 10 and 24. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see today approaching. Our crowd's not too big today. And, you know, there's, there's reasons why people cannot come. I understand that. But, you know, we are told to come together so that you can provoke me into love and good works. If you're not here, I don't get provoked, do I? A lot of churches are having the service live. You can stay at home and watch it. And, you know, we have people that are in assisted living. We have people quarantined. We have people in the hospital. They may be watching it. But I will wager to you, each one of them, if they had to get in a wheelchair, they would scoot it and get here. They want to be here. The ones I'm concerned about is that I'd just rather sit home in my living room, take a nap, and say I went to church. That's not coming together. That is not coming together. You're sure not provoking me. So we have to watch some of the new changes that we have. We talked quite a bit this morning in our, our service about communion. Acts 20 and 7. Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech till midnight. I bought some metal from a guy a year or two ago, and he got telling me, I'm a pastor of so-and-so non-denominational congregation. And he asked about me, and I told him what I did. And he says, you know, we have to have communion once a month because of the Church of Christ coming there. We have to do it every month. I asked him about this, Acts 20 and 7. He said, well, 
I feel like that's a little bit outdated. I says, you think the Bible is outdated? Well, no, I'm not saying that. So we talked a little bit, and that's about as far as it went. It's important when us to come together, as was said this morning, to partake of the Lord's body and drink his blood. If we don't, we have no life in us. If we're not here, we're not here. We're missing out on something really important each Sunday. It's worth it to be here. Yes, this congregation tries to keep you healthy and safe. You need to be here when you don't partake of the Lord's Supper. Okay, what about Hebrews 13 and 15? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. This same individual I talked about, he said, my goodness, we have a good band there every, every Sunday. Not too long ago in Wheeler, there was an advertisement. Come down to the square or wherever, uh, we have a band. That'll be our service. Then we're going to have hamburgers. I shot that text to Garland and said, you going? I don't think I answered him. No, I'm not going. But that's a new thing. You tell someone you go to the Church of Christ and you don't have a piano or organ, they say, really? How do you sing? I said, pretty good. That's how we sing. 1 Corinthians 14 and 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they'll learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for the women to speak in the church. About 100 miles from here, there's a church of Christ. And the women take part in making announcements, take part in communion, lead prayers. I don't think they teach. But my boss... He's an elder there, and I asked him about this, and he says, yeah, you know, we studied about it for a lot of years, thought he's okay. And I said, well, what did you think? He said, well, I think I got outvoted. He said, you don't know what my wife thinks? I said, yeah. He said, don't you dare call on me to say anything. I said, well, good for her. But this some of the new things happening to the Church of Christ, and we have to guard against it. Acts 20 and 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Then there's the practice of Sunday school and Bible classes. I understand this. I went to Sunday school and Bible classes for years. I learned how to wiggle my ears. I can still wiggle my ears. I did learn that. But you know, the best, and, I, and the, probably to me one of the best arguments against this is one of our evangelists says, you know what I say when people ask about that? He says, I don't know how. The Bible don't tell us how. We don't know how to do that. The Bible tells us to teach publicly and from house to house. 
We don't know how. And as you go into that, I can find you a book <laughs> on classes and how that works and some of the women teaching it and all of the things that goes along with it. So we do have to keep up our guard on that. Third important part, all of this other is just for fun, I guess. Be not conformed. I think we had this this morning. In Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Nineteen seventy, there's a thing started called Doozy Farms. It was a hog farm. Becky and I got to work in it. Beverly, Diane got to work in it. Garland got the privilege to come in some. Sean might have came a little bit. You went into a building with about 500 hogs, not much ventilation, and worked there all day. You got back to the office area. You wanted to shower. It got on you. It got in your hair. It got in your nose. That's kind of the way the world is. If you're out in it, it gets on you. It gets in your hair. It gets in your nose. It just gets into you. So this is telling us, be not conformed to the world. This is the caution that we have. In Ephesians 4 and 14, that ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive, but they speak... But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. All kind of things are sneaking into us. There's some new normals. We have to guard against that. There's churches of Christ that, that believe in predestination now. They believe that, you know, you're just born saved or you're born lost. I was sitting in a waiting room not too long ago and this guy started talking to me and he said, you know, I was born saved. And you know me, I said, how's that work? And he got to telling me some things and I said, I don't get it. And he said, well, let me tell you, my social security number has so many sevens in it. I said, oh, okay. He says, and I divorced my first wife on the seventh month, seventh day of 97. I said, I still don't get it. Well, he got tired of talking to me. But anyway, uh, we have to watch. We have to keep our guard up. Don't be conformed. Don't look and say, oh, look at they've got. Look, we, we can do this too. We have to be careful. One thing I've used a time or two is when Jesus was asked the question in 
Luke 20 and 2. And they spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority dost thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? And then Jesus, he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or men? You know, we may, we may need to ask ourselves that when we're looking at whatever the scenario we go through. Sometimes when you study with the people about Sunday school, I've asked them, I said, can you Google? Then Google when Sunday school started. In most cases, it comes up. It started around 1780 in England, and a guy named Robert Ricks started that. But, you know, he started it because the children was forced to work in factories six days a week, 12 hours a day. And on Sunday, he was trying to teach them reading and writing and whatever. And then I usually ask him, I said, if this came from England at that date, is it from heaven or men? I said, well, men. I said, then we shouldn't use it. Try to make it simple. In Titus 3 and 8, this is the faithful saying, and these things I will that you affirm constantly, that they which believe in God may be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Probably everybody here has a line drawn. I am not going to do that. I won't do that. We need to keep that line drawn. We don't want to walk on the edge and see how close we can get to falling off. Be careful. Maybe another way of saying it is in Hebrews 6 and 19, which hope we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Some of y'all have been to Niagara Falls. Beautiful place. But if you read about some of the history and the things that happened there, there's one thing that really caught my eye. There was a father and his children out on the boat above the falls. I don't even remember what the lake was. But his motor failed. He didn't have an anchor. So they're going towards that cliff where the water goes off. Finally, he told the kids, you've got to jump out. Try to swim to the edge. And I think... One of them was saved. Two went over the falls. The dad was heavy enough, he landed on the rocks. He didn't make it. One of the child was light enough, they missed the rocks. That's what happens when you don't have an anchor. You get washed around from place to place, different theories. So stay anchored. Stay focused, in other words. One more verse, Galatians 6 and 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
push to the end. Stay anchored. Stay focused. Because there's, there's a lot has pertains to the way we act. We will get everlasting life in heaven, depending on how we cope with life. And we stay anchored. We stay peculiar. We know who the pattern is. Or we'll get the other choice. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.